Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Good morning, everybody, and happy Mother's Day to all the moms, the grandmas, the great-grandmas, the moms who want to be moms, and those who are aunties or mom figures, all of the people that provide that mothering role in so many lives. Happy Mother's Day, and God bless you so greatly. I'm so excited to be with you here today for Mother's Day and to celebrate this incredible day, but this incredible honoring of your lives. This is your day and we wanna honor you. But I always like to kick off with a few funny little kind of cute sayings. So let me just give you a few of those and then I'm gonna give you a few touching sayings, but here's the first one. Some days I feel like a super mom. Other days, I pour the dog food in the cereal bowls. (laughs) 90% of parenting is thinking about when you can lie down and rest. (laughs) One day, I'll be thankful that my kid is strong-willed, but not today and not in this grocery store. (laughs) How many can relate to that one? May your coffee be stronger than your toddler's will. (laughs) Amen. And then a few just kind of touching sayings. Motherhood is messy, challenging, crazy, sleepless, and exhausting, but still unbelievably beautiful, wonderful, and rewarding. Amen. Just remember the days might be long, but those years with them are short. The most precious jewels you'll ever have around your neck are the arms of your children. Whew, that's a good one, huh? And then our kids don't need a super mom. They need a loving mom who relies on a super God. Whew, yeah, I love that. There's no trophy or award or bonus for being a mom, but there sure ought to be. Amen to that, right, girls? And if you're a mom, plain and simple, you're a superhero. Amen. You know, I believe that there is a high calling of motherhood. It's not just a duty. It's not just a a life role. It is a high calling of God to be a mother and to be a father, to be a parent, But today, guys, we're we're honoring mom. Your day will come soon and we do honor you. I honor my husband, I honor my family. I'm so proud and so grateful for my family and my husband uh, and for all of you. But today, I wanna talk about the high calling of being a mother. Let me read you something. Mothering is kingdom work. It is a calling. It's not a diversion, it's not a distraction, it's not an interruption or even a job. It's a God-ordained mission field, a holy assignment specifically tailored for you 
and your children and a job that only you can fulfill. If it is the Lord's work equipped by his Holy Spirit, accomplished by his anointing and his power, and it is never, I repeat, never in vain. First Corinthians 15, 58 tells us, stand firm and let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is never in vain. You know, sometimes being a mom might seem very tedious work or just behind the scenes or not in the spotlight or unappreciated. And oftentimes those things do seem like duties. But I wanna tell you, being a mom is an incredibly crafted job by God. He created the whole system of how children are born and birthed and cared for and raised up and loved and schooled and taught. And he created a system in that. So there is nothing small or tedious about being a mom. Every moment, every thing that we do for our children or with them is counted by God and is a part of reproducing your heart and God's heart into their lives. You know, we get our children without a manual. We get our children, and I like to say it's as a blank CD. And we decide what will be recorded onto that CD of their heart, their soul, their future. So there's nothing small about that. You know, we put so much time into so many other things. We can spend hours uh, trying to figure out what to wear to a certain event. We can spend so much time planning a vacation, but the time and the effort that we put into planning how we're going to raise our children and our families and invest in their lives and futures is the most important passion and duty and job that we can have in this world. There are many, many things we can multitask, many things I believe that you know, you can have a job at the same time you're raising a ch a, your children. I believe that there are many, many things that you can multitask in your life. But as long as we continue as moms to put family first, then we will always, always keep that family at the top of our to-do list. My mom used to teach me, and my mom was a working mom. She spent, her and my dad created a business together. So we all worked there. It was from six in the morning till midnight at night. And then in the middle of the night, my dad would be down. He had his own printing press in the basement right next to my bedroom. And it was cha-chung, cha-chung, all night long. But they invested themselves hard into that business so that they could create a life that they wanted to give to us as a family. They worked hard, we worked hard together, but we played hard together. And they bound us together in a vision for our lives. And I believe that we can do all those things in the midst of raising a great family. 
But we always have to keep in mind that that family is a gift to us and a treasure entrusted us to God, to us by God himself. Amen. It's a very, very, very high calling to be a parent. In that regard, you know, moms really keep the pulse of the entire family and the household. Without moms, none of us would be here, right? But moms are selfless with their children. From the day that those babies are conceived, the mom carries them in their womb, the mom births them, feeds them, diaper changes, all of those things that are completely selfless, and yet mom gets that honor and distinction of that labor, but that labor is not in vain. All of that labor, all of those things help to create that deep, deep bond between a mom and her child. And I know that for an absolute fact. A mom processes the details of a family. A mom is the one who keeps the pulse, but also keeps the calendar. I like to say in our family, Saba, Larry, Dad, <laughs> my husband, he is the, he's the bricks that hold this foundation together. But mama is the mortar that holds all those bricks together. Moms keep the details. Moms keep the calendars for the kids. They keep everything on course. You watch a mama duck, she's keeping all those babies in a row. <laughs> Moms, we, we got to keep all those children, all those things in a row. I saw the other day a bumper sticker on the back of a minivan. It said, Nana's Taxi Service. And I thought, how cute is that? And how uh, of a loving example to taxi and transport those children where they need to go to their lessons, to their uh, parties, to their events, all these different things. All of that really is a labor of love, isn't it? And it's investment into our children's future. Moms are the mortar that holds everything together. Kiss the boo-boos away. Assure us it's going to be okay. This will pass. Pats us on the back, gives us the hugs, gives us the loves. Even when mom can't fix everything, mom can love you and hug you and make you feel better. Heal up that broken heart. Moms are, are like doctors in the home. We're on site, we're on call. Not only in physical boo-boos, but emotional boo-boos. How many times did your mom hold your hand and say, don't worry, this will pass. It's gonna be okay. You're bigger than this. Come on now, dry those tears and let's get on with life. How many times with our children, mom, do we pick them up, tell them, come on, tomorrow's a new day. God's got this. We can get over this and start them on a new path, give them a new beginnings. What I love about moms is they are their children's first audience. <laughs> There's nothing more fearful to a child, to an adult, than getting up and performing or speaking in public. That may be in first grade, just getting up and reciting the ABCs. That may be in your speech class of getting up and giving an oral report. And yet, who's always the first audience? Mom. I was with uh, Lion and Jen the other day, 
Jan is my daughter-in-law, Lion is my five-year-old grand sugar. And I was at their house and Lion was doing all these things. Uh, he was, he, he likes to do math. He likes to take multiplication and take, he's five years old and he takes these numbers. He'll say 15 times 126 is blah, blah, blah. And he's got this mind that just clicks these things off. It's incredibly amazing. But every time he did this and got the answer, he'd look to Jen to make sure that she was looking and that she was smiling and that he was, he was approved of. And I thought, isn't that the mother's heart? Of course, it's daddy's heart too. But there's something about a child that connects and gets validated by that mama's nod, that mama's love. Yay, Jen would say, yay, Lion. You're so smart, you're so brilliant. Yes, Lion, that's awesome. And he would just light up and then he'd go on the next one and right back at her again. And I thought, what an illustration of a child's heart that God put within us. That's a God factor that he put within us, that bonding, that laser sharp emotional connection so that moms would have that kind of influence, never ending love, compassion, and link to her family. You know, I won't go into the whole Proverbs 31 woman, but it talks about a mother having the pulse of her family. And that it talks about that she creates them the clothes that they need and the coats that they need and all of these things for the storms and the weather and all these things. But it also talks about and means that emotional connection of what our family needs. How many times, mom, do you just have what's called a mom's intuition, which means you just have a feeling, you just have a sense, you just have a knowing about what your child is maybe going through or needs or something extra or something coming up in their lives. That's not some voodoo kind of a sixth sense. That's what God puts within a mother to know that child, that child was a part of you, your DNA, and that child, it will always be connected to you and your heart will always be connected to that child. I saw the other day, uh, the cutest little clip of this little boy and uh, they were asking all these different children, what is, what is the special bond between you and your mother? And this little boy, he was probably six years old. He said, I feel like there's an invisible tie or a rope between my heart and my mom's heart. And nobody else can see it. But wherever we are, even when we're separated, that tie is always there. And he said, I always know that my mom and my heart are tied together. It's just a little boy. I mean, he wasn't trying to impress anybody, but that was his visual feeling and passion and experience being connected to his mother. I saw another little video a few weeks ago on Facebook, I believe it was, and it said, if you don't think it matters, moms, if you don't think it matters that you're there 
for your kids. Watch this. And it was a little performance at school and, you know, it was a little, little kids that were probably kindergarten, maybe first grade. And you know, all the little kids are up there on stage and they're all getting ready and they're squirmy and they're moving. And you know, the choir director is down there trying to get them calmed down and get them all in sync. And so they're trying to focus on the, the little choir director. And this one little girl is like, she just antsy as anything. She's looking around, she's looking around. And all of a sudden she goes, oh, mommy, <laughs> just goes wild. You're here, you're here. And she's like, my mom's here. She's telling all the other kids. And it just gives me goosebumps because here's this whole big audience there. She has an audience, she has her friends, she has her teachers, she has everybody. But what is she waiting for? My mom's here. My mom is here. And it was the sweetest thing to me, but I thought, boy, let us never forget how God has entrusted us with this incredible treasure of being a mom. And that never ends. Even when our moms pass away at some point in life, those of us that have had that happen, and we all know, there is still that incredible bond. My mom passed away when I was 27 years old in a car accident. It was very sudden, unexpected. It was so traumatizing. Uh, she was my best friend uh, next to my husband. And you know, you never get over that. And even to this day, to this day, I still hear her voice every day. I still feel her presence. I still feel her direction. I still feel her with me and her love and her everything that she imparted into my heart and my soul and that acceptance and that validation and all of the things that she was as a mom. I still feel that. In fact, my brothers and my sisters have this saying, and like I said, this was 40 years ago that my mom passed. But my brother and my sister, we still have this saying uh, uh, in dealing with things, and we laugh about it, but we always say, WWMD, what would mom do? <laughs> you probably all know WW, what would Jesus do? WWJD, what would Jesus do? We all know that term. But in some families, we have the term, what would mom do? And my kids are the same way. They, they tell me all the time, you know, they'll be faced with something or uh, in a situation, maybe they're counseling someone or praying with someone. And they always say, in their minds, they think, what would mom say? What would dad say? What would mom do? What would dad do? You know, that is an honor. That's a responsibility. That's a stewardship that we have as parents to invest in our children the goodness of God, the love, the acceptance of a parent, but also to represent to them the voice of God and the will of God. And that's the most important thing that we can give our children. We need to give our children that love, that wisdom, the patience, the direction, um, all these things we want to be for them. We want to be that soft landing when they fall. But 
we also need to impart to them the values and the morals of the kingdom of God. In the world right now, there is such a void of goodness. There is such a void of godliness. And there is a real attack on the soul, on the heart of the family. But there is a real attack on our children. The enemy and the world is trying to steal the hearts, the souls, and the destiny of our children. And this is why, as moms, we have a big job. As dads, we have a big job right now. And, you know, I really, in one way, I would really like to just keep this message just really simple and sweet and all about kissing boo-boos away. <laughs> and that, you know, that's all important. But I feel in my heart today, I would be remiss if as a leader, as a mom of my children, as a mom of many, many people, as a leader, in not saying that we are desperate for moms and dads to lead their families and lead their children in the world. I don't know that there has ever been a more intense hour or time in history where things have ramped up so quickly and so intensely to steal the hearts and souls of our children. And it's daunting. You look at the news, you look at the things uh, just in the last few months that our own president, our own president of this country is making statements and political decisions that are taking the power away from parents, the authority away from parents to make the decisions and determine the destinies of our own children. He made a statement the other day, and this was in regards to some laws that they're being trying to make past where children are able on their own to talk to a teacher and to get a sex change without telling their parents or consenting their parents from their parents. Our children can't even get a tattoo at that age. Used to be our kids couldn't even get their ears pierced as a teenager without a parental consent. And then they started squeezing in and giving all these liberties and all these rights. And now it's to this degree. And our president made a statement saying uh, that the state and the government needs to have the ultimate control over our children of this world. He said, there is no such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children. Well, you know, in a perfect world and in a wonderful world where maybe, you know, some of us that are older, maybe where we grew up, where values were something that was taught in school, you know, there were foundational things taught in school where the statement, it, it takes a village to raise children. 
Hillary Clinton made that statement years ago. You know, in a perfect world, that would be a great statement and that would be a great philosophy. In a world where they weren't trying to impose foreign values on our children, that sounds good. That sounds, yeah, let's all pitch in. Let's all raise these kids in a good way. That's what a church environment is meant to be, where we all come together and we help to raise each other's children. We help to form those, those nucleuses and those safe places for our children. And we reinforce each other's values, moms and dads and church leaders, right? But this is an entirely different concept. When Hillary Clinton made the statement, and she wrote a book, It Takes a Village to Raise Children. Bob Dole, strong Christian at that time, said it doesn't take a village to raise a child. It takes a family to raise a child. Amen? First and foremost, it takes a family that has been entrusted with this treasure to raise a child. It's a responsibility, but we're not alone in it. You see, Socialist and communist, communist countries, the first thing they try to do is to seize control of the minds, the thoughts, and the direction of the children. Because they are patient and they know that as that generation grows, those are the future leaders of that nation. You know, there's an old saying that said, the, the morals of the world can be overturned in one generation. Listen, moms and dads, we have the ultimate job to do. When we get down on our knees and we pray that God will heal our land and that God will heal the nation and, and the world, listen, that starts right in our home. And that same power that we pray for to hit the world and Holy Ghost fire, come change the world, turn the world back to you, God. That same power, that same fire, that same anointing, that same Holy Spirit is there to come and influence and change our families for the good. Listen, I know the pulse right now of parents. I, every day, parents talk to me. Every day I see the results of these negative, ungodly influences. And I see people that are in despair. A little lady I was talking to a few weeks ago and she said, She's so concerned about her children. I said, Mom, let's get them in church. They've got to have friends. They've got to have people surrounding them. They've got to have a life. Children have to have a life. That's why we got to get them in church, get them into our youth group. We work so hard to provide a path for, for your children that they can grow up and be surrounded by other children and godly loving adults that will help to steer them in the right directions and give them that support system that they need. You know, my kids love the Lord, but my kids went through teenage years. Our kids had to grow up just like everybody else. They went to public schools. We didn't have the finances or the liberty to put our kids in a Christian school, but we raised them with values. And we would tell our kids, listen, you can, you can hang out with some of these friends from school, but if we see those guys influencing you, then that's over. 
So you need to influence them and you need to stand strong. And we watched over them and we guarded them and we had boundaries and we had rules and they were allowed certain liberties, but not all liberties. Sometimes love is saying no. Sometimes love is creating boundaries for our children. But as parents, we need to have that pulse of what's going on because those kids are entrusted unto us. It doesn't feel good to have to be the bad guy. It would be so great if there were just, you know, <laughs> how many of you have dogs? And you have that invisible fence around your yard. You can't even see it. You don't have to put up a fence around your yard, but you put this little collar on your, chat, on your dog, and when it gets close to that, it gets a little zap. So it stays within those parameters. Wouldn't that be great if we could do that with our kids? <laughs> they get close to the boundary. Oh, I guess I better get right back there on course. Well, you know, it would be great, but it's not that way. And so as parents, we don't want to just teach them the do's and the don'ts. We want to create within them a moral compass so that they make those decisions on their own. With our kids, because we raised them, our kids are preacher's kids. And so they had to, they had to toe the line, but we didn't want them just doing what's right because we told them to. We wanted to create within them an internal desire to serve God. And that began and begins with a relationship with God. We made sure that each of our children had a relationship with God, had an experience with God. I can remember to this day, the times when my kids, as they were growing up, met God for themselves got filled with the Holy Spirit on their own, made a choice to look away from the world and look to God, made decisions in their lives to move closer to God and say no to other things. To say yes to, to God means to say no to some things. And I watched my children over the years. Yeah, sometimes it was a struggle. You know, it, was, it, it wasn't always easy, and it didn't always, always come immediately. But God had his hand on them. And I can remember sleepless nights. I can remember the same fears that every mom fears for their children. You know, and wondering and stressed and not sleeping and different things about, you know, God, do I let him do this, do I let them get involved in that? I don't want to be the uh, hard, hard authoritarian, but yet I don't want to just, you know, let them wander either. And so there are those decisions as parents that we have to grapple with and we have to wade through and not every child is the same. And so we have to have the pulse of God. We have to have the pulse of the child. But there's an old saying that says, God has no grandchildren. In other words, just because you and I have a relationship as a parent or a grandma or an adult influence, just because we have a relationship with God personally doesn't mean that they automatically have that themselves. Our kids can come to church, sit in church and have no relationship with God. So it's not just about 
do's and don'ts. It's about allowing them to learn and understand, but more than anything, to experience God himself. I remember times with Aviva as she's growing up, our granddaughter, she just gra graduated from eighth grade. She'll be a freshman, loves God, has an incredible experience with the Lord. But several years ago, we were talking about a situation that was going on with some, some people in her school that had a whole nother set of values and that were deciding with their own lives. This is like in sixth grade, deciding that they wanted to be, uh, well, I'll just say it, you know, uh, that, that she felt like, this girl felt like, you know, she was really meant to be a boy. And so here's Aviva in sixth grade asking, I don't even understand what this means, you know? And so we had to walk her through that. Her parents had to walk her through that. But I remember her saying to me, we were talking about that and some other things. And I remember her saying to me one night, she said, you know, she goes, it's, it's hard to understand, but she goes, you know, her family go to church. They're Christians. They go to church. And she said, I think what's happened with my friend is that she's never had an experience with God. She doesn't really know God in reality. She goes to church, but she doesn't know him. And I, that's what I said. I was like, Beebs, that is so awesome. I'm so proud of you to have that insight and that understanding. And we talked about how we could maybe be an influence and help this little girl. But also I talked to Beebs and I said, Beebs, how do you, how do you, how would you tell someone about that? She said, well, you know, I read my Bible every, every morning and every night. And I was, honestly, I was so impressed because this is out of her heart. And she said, I read my Bible and I read the word of God. I use my markers and she goes, and I realize, wow, God has really said this to me. God really can change my life. And she said, if things make me sad or if things make me upset or if things are going on, and uh, I'm struggling in school or all these things. She goes, I go and I pray to God about it. And I ask the Lord to help me. And he does. <laughs> and I was so impressed, you know, that her experience with the Lord at this young age is so genuine and so real. And I thought about this a lot of how, how did that happen? That doesn't happen accidentally. That happens because of an investment into her heart, her soul, from her parents, from our family, from her being involved in church, from the time she was toddling around, she was helping Jen in Kid City, and uh, being a part of seeing God change other people's lives. It was also being a part of experiencing God touching other people. Many times she tells me about 
you know, different people that have come into Kids City and how God has touched them and changed their lives. And, and that, you know, she said, I watch them as we're praying for them, just get, you know, it's like the burden is lifted. All these things coming out of a young child. Well, those things happen because, you know, there's an old saying that said, if you go to the bank to pull out a withdrawal, you can only withdraw what you've invested in. And I would have to say that with families, you know, and we're going to talk in a minute about God's restoration and God's super to our natural. But in, in, the, in the talk about every day, it's up to us to really make those choices to press further into what God has entrusted us with, our families. You know, life is busy. Life is a struggle. Life is challenging. Life is so busy, we're all overburdened. We get home at night, the last thing you wanna do is, you just, you just wanna sit and watch TV, honestly, don't we? Because our brains are tired. But I'll tell you, it's those moments that we seize with our family. Those moments that we seize with our family that make that difference. It doesn't have to be quantity. We don't have to have 59 hours a week to spend with them necessarily. But those moments where we can connect and we can show them that we care and we can be with each other and do things. You know, with our family, we have lived a life on the go always, <laughs> our entire life. Um, but we always made the point to do things to connect with our kids. And I'm not saying Listen, I, I, I live to this day every night with a guilt, guilty conscience of not doing enough with my family. Any, I believe any good mom has a guilty conscience. Oh, I should have said, I should, my kids come to the house, you know, for a, a barbecue or whatever. When they're leaving, my mind is already, oh, I didn't spend enough time with Lion. Oh, I didn't spend enough time with Asher. Oh, I didn't talk to Luke enough. You know, that's how, that's how my mind works. And so I'm not talking about beating ourselves up, but I'm talking about putting in that effort to, to go from, you know, the world in over influencing our families. They say that the time that we have as parents with our kids is basically like a fraction of the time that they spend with teachers, with friends, on social media, at school, at parties, all these things. There's this enormous tsunami of influence that's trying to get our children's hearts and souls. How do we compete against that? With a determined effort, and here's the great, great news, with the power of the living God. Our kids may think they're just out there on their own, just doing what they want to do, but God has this long leash and he's got them on his reins and he'll pull them in at that time. There is nothing so important as our children. We can have a career. We can have all these wonderful things. We can have ministry. We can have all these things. But what God has personally entrusted us with is those babies. 
and they will be your greatest joy. They will, as Proverbs tells us, rise up and call you blessed, mama, grandma. But we make that investment of labor into their hearts and we are raising up that next generation. There's never been a greater hour in history for God's people, for parents, for moms to rise up, stand up, speak up and shake it up and to pray it up. Amen. Amen. And if we don't teach our children to follow God, others and the world will teach them not to. And they will teach them to follow other gods. There are few things more powerful, though, than a mama's prayers, than a mama's love. I remember one of my dear friends uh, back from Portland, Melanie. And this gal was raised in a Christian home. They were a good, godly family. And when she was in her young teens, she decided she wanted to get involved with the world. So she went in the world, she started you know, partying, she started drinking, she started doing drugs, she started doing all these things. She got in with this bad group of, of friends that you know, were uh, doing all kinds of carousing, and she ended up in prison. And this was here in Texas, and she was in uh, one of the big prisons here, women's prisons, for I think seven years. And during that time, and she came in, let me back up. She came into our church when she got out, gave her life to the Lord in Portland and became one of the greatest soul winners, workers, laborers, loving, giving people that we've ever had. And a matter of fact, she was, she got so involved with things. She was with me every Sunday, you know, as I went through the church and prayed with people and did things. But I'll tell you, what changed her life and turned it around was her mom had been so embarrassed. They lived in a small town in Texas and her mom was so embarrassed because everybody knew. And her mom was so embarrassed that her only baby girl had ended up in that lifestyle and ended up in prison. And her mom kind of shunned her for a while. And then there came a point where her mom thought, I'm gonna change my tactic. She went to visit her in prison and she uh, sat down with her at the little table in the visiting area and she reached over and she grabbed her hand and she goes, Mel, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And Melanie said that was what busted her heart open. And she said, her mom said, and so is God. He loves you and he's so proud of you. And she said at that moment, her heart just broke open. She cried. She prayed, gave her life back to the Lord, and began that journey out of that lifestyle. And when she got out, immediately got into church, rededicated her life, gave her life to the Lord. And I've always remembered that because I thought, I wonder if that's not the key that God used right there to open her soul. Was her mom's heart reaching out to her and saying, I love you and I'm so proud of you. And sometimes we hold that key when God is trying to reach our children. Maybe they've hardened their hearts. Maybe they've walked away. Maybe they've in rebellion, whatever. And yet God will use us to unlock the doors of their heart, whether it's through prayer, 
fasting, our words of love and encouragement, no matter what it is, we hold their hands as children for a little while, but we hold their hearts forever. No matter where you're at in life, no matter what the circumstances of your home, your life, your family, no matter what it is, you may have, you may be living in a broken home. You may be in a situation where, where there's turmoil in the home, in the marriage, in your family. You may be in a place where you feel like your kids despise you because of what you try to bring into their lives. Listen, there is a defiance in the world today in the hearts of children. Sometimes, mom, we just gotta, we just gotta buck up and let it bounce off because they're, they're coming from a place that isn't their true heart. They're blending in with a spirit of rebellion and don't take it too seriously because I, I take it seriously in that we have to pray them through, but don't let it take, destroy your heart and your person because I'm telling you, there's, there's this spirit of just sarcasm and just defiance in the world. And if I could just say to children, if I could just say to the family, lighten up on mom, lighten up on her, give her a break. She is trying so hard and has a hard job. Don't answer her with that snippy little, you know, show respect, honor her, give her respect, give her love, give her honor. And I won't go there too much. <laughs> But honor her with the honor she deserves. Amen. But moms, I want to pray for you, no matter where you're at right now. You know, one of my favorite, say, favorite scriptures is Psalms 115:12, And it says this, God has you on his mind right now. Whew. Do you ever wonder if anyone notices, anyone cares? Anyone's paying attention and God tells us right there, I see you. I see what you're going through. I see the sacrifice you're making. I see the struggles. I see all those issues and I'm thinking about you right now and I will bless you, bless you, bless you. And guess what? Our God not only sees, he cares, he loves you, and he already has worked out every miracle in every circumstance. So no matter what you're going through or facing, God has the answers for you. I want you to lift your hands right now, moms. I wanna pray with you, grandmas, mom figures, aunties, stand-in moms, leaders of children. Let me just have a prayer of God's equipping for you right now. God has given you a great gift, a great treasure, but not only has he given it to you, he's given the equipping, the strength, the favor, the grace, the patience, the wisdom, the teaching from within, the knowledge, the love, the passion, the compassion, and most of all, the anointing, which is his equipping 
to do what he has called you to do. God bless every mother, every grandma, every mom figure. God bless you greatly with every blessing and every promise and every miracle that you need. We pray for your family. We pray for your children that God's will will be done. And we bind every spirit that would try to drive them away from God, that would try to bring division in the home, that would try to bring dissension into the relationships between parents and children. We break that curse of division in the family and that rebellion that tries to split homes open through the blood of Jesus Christ. We put our foot down, Lord, and we declare nothing but the will of God, the purposes, the plans, and the blessings of God Almighty, His goodness and His righteousness in our families. Turn the hearts of our children back to the hearts of God and the hearts of the parents. And we ask you, Lord, to bless abundantly so we can be an abundant blessing to the world around us and to our families in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now I want you all families, just do me a favor. Treat mom like a queen today. Bless her. Do the dishes. Take her out to dinner. Vacuum the carpet. Sweep the floor. Rake the leaves. Take care of your mother who has taken care of you all these years and bless her and honor her and treat her like a queen. Amen. I love you. I'm so proud of y'all. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.